Byron, Mississippi. It's Lakeshore Church. Today is the biblical concept of looking at um, really how it structures in, 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 our, in our own individual lives, okay? Uh, no better text to, to unpackage this than Acts chapter 2, uh, the, the inception and the conception, the beginning of the New Testament church. So if you'll stand and honor God's word, Acts chapter 2, verses 42 through 46 is where we're going to read today, and you can follow along as we read from the Christian standard. It says this in Acts 2, verse 42. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, to the fellowship, to the breaking of bread, and to prayer. Everyone was filled with awe, and many wonders and signs were performed through the apostles. Now all the believers were together and held all things in common. They sold their possessions and, and property and distributed the proceeds to all as any had need. Every day they devoted themselves to meeting together in the temple and broke bread from house to house. They ate their food with joyful and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. Every day the Lord added to their number those who were being saved. Let's pray. We thank you, Lord. Uh, you know my heart today, and I know, God, we lack if we're trying to do by our, doing it by ourselves. We lack, God, if we're, we're hidden from, from others and the way that we're doing spiritually. We lack today, God, if we're just basing everything that we have in you in this big number, this big gathering, this big room today. Lord, I pray that you would bless. I pray that my words would be yours. I pray that my thoughts would be yours and every one of us would walk in obedience as you move on our heart. And God, will give you the praise and the glory for what you do. For we ask you to pray it in Jesus' name. And all of God's people said, amen, amen. amen. You may be seated. Thank you. Today we begin a three-week look at small groups. We've entitled the three, Small is Large in God's World. And uh, what in the world does that mean? It's amazing to me how much of God's Word is a paradox. It's very confusing. Uh, one example is the last shall be first. <laughs> if I just said that to you, you would say that is not possible. The last can never be first. But in God's world, as we serve and as we're less and we become a nobody so that somebody else can be valued, God says we're somebody. So in that same vein, it's this thing of small. You would say, how in the world can small be large in God's world? I hope to answer that in the next few minutes. Everything in, in, in our world is described by largeness. Uh, I woke up early this morning and, and um, the, the, the TV, maybe it was late last night. Anyway, the TV, I, I saw an infomercial came on. And they were selling a little product. Have you noticed how many things are sold on TV now and the internet? I mean, it's everything. And, and I'm, I'm amazed at the internet. If you go surfing, it'll be on the next place you go. They'll be doing some advertisements. How all those algorithms is, work is beyond me. But, but uh, this thing came on and it was $19.99. Y'all, y'all know those and shipping and handling. You can get one of these and they tell you the story. And before it goes off, you know it's coming. If you do it in the next 10 minutes and a lot of them, they'll show you the little timer. We'll give you two of them. Now, you've got to do a little extra shipping and handling, but we're going we're gonna to give you two for the price of one. Everything is larger. Volume. We're better if we have more of it. You think about our portfolios. We, we, do, we define everything in our, in our society by the success of somebody's portfolio. How much they're worth. Less is often viewed as less. <laughs> Influence. How many people do you know? We think, man, it'd be, it'd be something to be famous. But you know, a few years ago, I decided I don't know if I really want to be. I remember in, in Tiger Woods in his heyday, I've always loved golf. My dad introduced it to me maybe early teens, maybe 13, 14 years of age, first time I had a set of golf clubs. And, and uh, I remember back in, I followed Tiger Woods for years. Um, you know, back in Tiger's heyday, and he'd done some crazy stuff, but anyway, back, I remember this. I, I've always loved uh, Wendy's Frosties. Do y'all like those? 
I also developed, developed a milk allergy. They were probably part of the problem. I love blizzards from Dairy Queen. Are we having fun yet? I mean, can I go on and tell you some other ice cream products I like? I love them more today because every now and then I have a milk allergy that, that wears me out. So I just dream about them now. But I remember years ago, like it was yesterday, having this thought about Tiger Woods. He can't even go to a Wendy's and eat a Frosty because everybody knows him. And I realized that fame and influence and being somebody, even having talent, sometimes is not all it's cracked up to be. Everything in our world, we seem to, we seem to celebrate largeness and almost shun smallness. But yet there are many references about small in God's word. The scripture you'll see, I'll show it to you in a few minutes, but it says where two or three had gathered, he said he would be there. In his name, he would be in the midst. Some smallness that I find in the word of God says that God knows my name. He knows who I am. Even if I reject him, he knows he still died for me. Now, he died for everybody, but he died personally for me. So he knows my name. He also knows the number of hairs on my head, the scripture says. He knows them. Now, let me tell you something. I don't think it's costing God as much mental today keeping up with the number of hairs on my head as it used to. But he knows the number of hairs on my head, you know. He knows my needs even before I ask him. Still wants me to share that with him, but he knows my needs. He knows where I am and what's going on in my life. It's, it's personal. Paul summed it up that when we leave this world and, and move into the eternal life that we have in Christ, that we're going to see Christ face to face. To me, I don't believe that's coincidental. That reminds us that it's a personal relationship. It's not a corporate collective thing. Even though we have a congregation here, my prayer is that God speaks to each one of us individually today. We can't hide behind the big room. It's a personal relationship with God or lack of. I wrote it down this way that everyone will give an account. It says that. Both good and evil. Whether you've done good or you've done evil in your life, one day all of us will stand in front of a, a holy, righteous God and we'll give an account. And we're going to give an individual account of our life. Wow. Everyone, that's the reason I put that one in capital letters, is that everyone will give an account. Small is large in God's world. It really is. Things, the words like, I'll give you a few words when I think about it. The words like intimacy. Uh, God set it up that way. Whether we think about marriage or we think about friendships, we think about being vulnerable to someone. Intimacy. That's so small, but it's large for humanity. That's how we all came to be. We talk about value. We value people, but listen to me very carefully. I don't value the whole world. You know, we, we throw colloquial words out there like that. We, think, we say sayings like, we love everybody. How do you love everybody? You don't even know everybody. No, it's, it's really, think about it. We, we make these large assumptions. We make these large announcements. And really, watch it. Now, I want you to get somewhere with me today now. I think sometimes that's dangerous. When I start thinking about what did God set up, God didn't set up for me to love everybody. I won't even know everybody. God set it up for me to love the people that he has put in my life. Now, as that increases or decreases, we, we love accordingly. But don't get caught up in this large thing. I've said this about church. It sounds like I'm negative toward corporate worship. You know what happens in church? And I'm going by my 57, almost 58 years. It seemed like if I wasn't living like I needed to live when I was a teenager, I thought my mama called the pastor and the pastor preached about me on Sunday morning. It wasn't until I understood conviction and I understood the Holy Spirit and, and how he operates in our, we gather together in God's name and, and he's here in the midst. It wasn't until then that I began to understand that my mama didn't call the pastor and tell him. 
But we hide behind the big number. We, we come into a big room and hundreds of people get together like this and we think sometimes, okay, I did my part. But really what, does, what, what, what it comes down to, did we grow? The scripture says that God chose the foolishness of preaching to save men's souls. In other words, what I'm doing right now is enlightening people to where they stand with God. But for your consideration today, when we talk about growing, I don't believe we grow much in this room. I believe we have revelation. I believe we, God bears witness with our spirit. I believe there's great spiritual things that happen. But when I grow, I grow in a small setting. I don't grow in a big setting. Probably the last few years, I've come to love. I, I tell them often. There's a number of guys we get together on Monday and Friday morning. They call it start the day in the cafe. Uh, one of the neat things I tell about that is when I see it's, it's one thing. And, and like most preachers, you know, I, when we started several years ago, I wanted 30 and I wanted 40 men. And I wanted to make everybody feel guilty about sleeping late, not coming to it. And then I realized the days that we have the biggest number is the least amount of communicating that goes on. We meet together. We go over a verse of Scripture. It blesses my heart to tell you there's a group of men that have gone through the entire New Testament together. And now we're four books into the Old Testament. We made it through Leviticus, bless the Lord, oh my soul. Now we're in numbers. But you know what's amazing about that gathering is when we leave, a lot of times when I'm getting in my truck and I'm waving at some, there'll be a, two men out there talking together. And they can see it. I've seen, pray to, I've seen people pray together to, like that and, and things like that. So, so it's a small number where we grow. Don't be guilty. I'm not undoing corporate worship. Wouldn't trade anything for what we do here. But also understand that that's not it in its entirety. Many people, I believe, have never grown adequately in their life because they've not been vulnerable. They they've don't have a vulnerability spiritually for other people. Hmm, that'll make more sense in a few minutes. Small and large in, in God's, it's, it's large in God's eyes. There's intimacy, there's value, there's concern. You think about you have concern. Just analyze your own life. You don't have concern for a multitude of people. <laughs> you have concern for the people that have trusted you with the burden of their heart, something you've heard about. When one hurts, how many of us hurt? So, but it's that all, it's you, you knowing them. If I share somebody's need today, it might move you, but it didn't move you like someone else who's closer to them because they're in their community. You follow me? You hear the name, you're moved with empathy or sympathy, but yet it really moves you. It's a burden we carry when it's somebody in our small group. And then the last is forgiveness. I think about forgiveness. Yes, Christ died for all, but you, you need to hear me say this. He died for me. Amen? <laughs> when you think about forgiveness that I need in Christ, yeah, I think about he's for everybody. But I think about number one is me, is what I needed, and he provided that for me. Uh, what a wonderful reminder. Small is large. Let me give you some biblical concepts. I didn't say this at the beginning, but you need to hear this. Uh, you need to write this down. Go, go, and, go and unpackage this. I'm going to go very quickly. have to, as much as I want to share. But when I think about small is large versus small shares, James chapter 5, verse 16, it's a verse that I came across many, many years ago with church work. Uh, because there's a, lot of, there's a lot of contemplating. There's a lot of issues today with healing. You might not know this, but there are a lot of people that believe that just like it says in Acts chapter 2, when the apostles died, healing died. There are people that believe this. If you go back and read Acts chapter 2, two where it says that the apostles did many wonderful deeds and people were healed, as soon as that first century was over, there are people that believe in their doctrine and theology, they believe that healing stopped. No more healing on the face of the earth. I'd no more believe that no, I believe we still live in the same dispensation of grace as when Acts chapter 2 happened. We still live in that today. And we will be in that until Jesus comes back. You need to understand that today. I want to just give that to you. But small shares. 
But several years ago, God showed me this verse, and I believe it was of the Lord because I was asking the question, why are people healed? Why don't we see major healing happen today? If God's still the healer and he still changes lives, why don't we see it happen more today? And I believe the reason, a lot of it is, is because of this verse. It says, therefore, confess your sins one to another and pray one for another that you may be healed. I want to ask you a question. It doesn't matter if you're visiting. It doesn't matter if you've been in Lakeshore for years, whatever. Your church experience. When was the last time you heard sins confessed in church? Brother Jay, is this a new ministry we're fixing to start? <laughs> I'm scared. Tell me when we're going to do that. I'm not going to be here. When was the last time you heard somebody that, that stood in a community and confessed their sins? When was the last time you heard somebody talk about their shortcomings? No, we can't do that because it'd be on Facebook before I got out of church. I couldn't share that. Somebody would have a friend. You know in the church how it works. Everybody's got a best friend. They got that spiritual friend. So they tell their spiritual friend someone else's problem, and, and then they tell their spiritual friend, and, and we're all gossiping just like we do at the barbershop and the beauty shop. Hello, y'all still out there? But it's spiritual because I have a spiritual friend, and we put it out there. And then we got all these means that we can do it. Well, we need to pray for so-and-so. And then we tell all this. Folks, we need to be very careful where our heart is in, in these things. Confess your faults one to another and pray one for another. For what? So that you can be what? Healed. Healed. People wonder today. I believe in everything about me. People say, why, why aren't we being healed? Why don't we see unbelievable healings taking place in the church today like they did then? And I believe in everything about me. I believe because we want to hold on to our stuff. We, we want to hold on to the world. We want to hold on to sin in our life. We don't want to confess it. We don't want to get it right. We don't want to be right with God to that point. We want to just be right enough to God to go to heaven. But I believe there's a rightness you can have in your life that God will change your life here if you trust him to that, that to, to degree. And many people today don't want to hear that. But I believe it's true. I believe what happens is someone will say, well, Brother Jerry, are you saying that somebody should stand up right now and confess their faults? That won't happen in this big old room, I promise you. But where does it happen? It happens when you allow yourself to be vulnerable to someone else in the Christian community as your small group. And I'm not talking about 30 and 40 and 50 and 60 people. We had a Sunday school class a few years ago here, right after I moved here. It was blowing and going. It was like a small church. It had 50 and 60 people in it. And today it's non-existent. I believe some of the problem that comes from that is that we think a small group can be any size. I don't believe that. I have some great friends of mine that pastor churches of thousands of people. You know what I found out? Picking their brain. And this is not ego and, and, and hey, look at me. But I could, I could drop some names today and you say, man, you've actually had his ear and you've actually had a conversation with people in the know. Yes. You know what I find out from churches of, of thousands and tens and th of thousands is they trying to make them 10. They're trying to establish groups of 10. This just came to mind. And, but I was in Ecuador doing some leadership years ago. We used a sanctuary of a church that literally had six or 7,000 people in it. And I went in what they call their war room. And Tori, it wasn't prayer room. It was where they did their, their ministry things. And they had a board up and had little pins with the little pins that have colors on them. And all over the city of Waikil was small groups. So this church of thousands was really churches of 10 and 15 and 20. And I've heard pastor after pastor say, the bigger the church gets, the smaller the number you got to create for there to be health. And so many times we think if we just get them in here, we write the number down and man, it's a great day. Not really if there's not growth going on. Hmm, small shares. Ephesians chapter 4 verse 15 says this, but speaking the truth in love, let us grow in every way into him who is head Christ. 
Boy, I enjoyed this point of the first service. I got to pick on somebody. I, I, I'm going to pick on a... I'm trying to look and see who I'm going to pick on. Nobody's really coming to mind. Rick, you're it. Adult ministry, you get it. Since I'm preaching this for you and us, you get it. But let's say I know something juicy about Rick Blakeney. Miss Leslie's come and shared it with me. That even sounds good just hearing that. Hmm. You know what's amazing that what, so what happens a lot of times in church is we end up telling everybody instead of who we should tell. Speaking the truth in love. I've had people before in church, please don't be offended by this because I'm not talking about you. Nobody comes to mind, but I've had so many times had this happen. I'm just telling the truth. But if I'm telling the truth in the wrong attitude, I need to keep my mouth shut. Amen? I said amen. Speak the truth how? In love. A lot of times I would keep my mouth shut, and I'm talking about Jay, I'd keep my mouth shut if somebody else was saying about me what I'm fixing to say about them. Oh, speak the truth in love. And see what happens, we need to understand this. Small shares. When I feel, and my men's group is so true, when I feel comfortable, then I'll share my heart. When I know they're not going to run it out to the rumor mill and they're not going to share it outside of that confidentiality, then I'm willing to share. And see, this is how far the church has gone today. We're almost, and we're almost blind. We don't really know what, go, what goes on with anybody because we're so jaded. And it's almost, for lack of a better word, there's an element of hypocrisy to our Sunday and our Wednesday look because of what's really going on on the inside. I wondered in the first sermon, listen, I wondered the first service, guys upstairs, I wondered where all my time went. It went in this point, <laughs> and it just happened again. Let me speed up. Small is large. Small stirs up each other in a positive way. Hebrews chapter 10, verse 24 and 25. Let us consider one another in order to provoke love and good works, not neglecting to gather together as some are in the habit of doing, but encouraging each other and all the more as you see the day approaching. See, today when we start talking about small groups, people say, well, Brother Jay, I'm at church. I hope I've already established for you that there's more for us in assembling together. When was the last time you let somebody in? What I'm asking you to do is spiritually consider this thing of spiritual community in your life because it's a growth dynamic. And I want to tell you this, a lot of that will never, ever occur in this setting. This setting is for revelation. This setting is, like I said, is where God speaks to us and shows us where we are spiritually. Growth happens in my life when other people come beside me and around me and enhance who I am in Christ. Hmm. I just, I, I threw Bill Parcells in because the NFL season starts today. If you'll hush, we'll go watch the Saints. Huh. It hurts me even to say that. But anyway, but this stirring up has to be in a positive way. I know people that stir up stuff that need to bring it to the Lord. This is what Bill Parcell said. He said, losers assemble in small groups and complain. <laughs> Winners assemble as a team and find ways to win. When you start talking about, okay, God, why, why did you give me a, why, why is this moving on my heart that I should be vulnerable to someone else because there's strength in numbers? Not in just the massive number that comes and hears somebody scream and holler and we have worship and those kind of things. I even shared this with Daniel. Is that even in this setting, we, got, we can't be guilty of substituting something else for the growth of a small group. Small is not only shares and stirs up, but give me two more. Small is also strength. Is there really strength in just a few? There's another paradox. That's very confusing again today. Wait a second. Five people grabbing a hold of something's going to be better than two. Maybe in the law of physics, but sometimes spiritually we need to be reminded of what God said. In Matthew chapter 18, verse 20, this is what it says. For where two or three are gathered together in my name, I am there among them. I'll give you a new dynamic of this. 
Forever and a day, when I have thought about this verse, I've thought about you got to meet the minimum. Minimum comes to mind. Where two or three, it's a minimum. And Lord, we know God's here because we got the minimum. No matter how many people we have in church, we got the minimum. We got two or three, so God's going to meet here with us. I want to give you another way to think about it. Maybe the minimum requirements is really the maximum requirement. Maybe the maximum effect happens when the minimum number is reached. And for small groups, I just want you to get this now. Maybe, just maybe, we're striving for too many when we want to see God show up. We're still going to do this. We're not calling off worship. We're, there's still a place for this. I've already said it. God chose the foolishness of preaching to save men's souls. You know, we come together and worship. God comes in the midst and moves on us, shows us where we are with him. But where I grow is when you take a small number of people for maximum effect in my life. Hmm. Next week, I'll talk about power. Power in agreement, power in partnership. We talk about our prayer ministries and such effective thing that goes and blesses my heart every time Miss Angie sends out a prayer request. And we've had a, a good many. To my knowledge, affiliated with Lakeshore Church, we had five funerals this past week. Break your heart. Uh, just, just one of those things. And, and uh, if we didn't have hope in Christ, we would have no hope. But well, look what it says. In Matthew chapter 18, verse 19, it says, again, truly, I tell you, if two of you on earth agree about any matter that you pray for, it will be done for you by my Father in heaven. And you know what? Sometimes, I'm, and please know that I'm talking about J2, but sometimes we're just like spoiled brats. I know that. I knew that wasn't going to fly. Who does he think he is? I said, we. We come to God with our list of what we want to happen. Hmm? And our little finite understanding of what we see. I'm talking about Jay. And in that, there's a lot of times we do a lot of damage on verses like this because we go, wait a second, God said he would give it to me. But I believe this. As you and I mature, and I believe small groups are part of that. As you and I become more what God wants us to be, then our heart will be in tune more with God and our desires will be more of his desires he has for us and therefore line, line up that way. I believe it. I believe sometimes we're like that little kid that's got the toy and we're upset because we don't have another one and we're going to pout until you get it to me. And that's how our prayer life is. We come with lip poked out. God, why haven't you done this yet? And there's sometimes I can almost hear the Lord say, Jay, you're not even in the right ball game. You're on the wrong wreck field. I'm over on the other one. But you play in your little game. Hmm. I got to move on. Let me give you one more. I think about small is large. Also, small stands together. Again, in the New Testament church, there are two things mentioned about bread. If you go back and read the text, the first one was about breaking bread, and it's about the sacraments. It was about them observing the Eucharist. It was about them doing the Lord's Supper. But if you read on down, it says that they were found continually in the temple, and they were breaking bread from house to house. That was not the sacraments. That was peas and potatoes and macaroni and cheese. I got to make sure I didn't mention some pig or something for all those over there. I didn't. My point is, is that that was about individuals. What, what is going on there? Think about it. Today, we are all in the temple, right? I mean, for, for understanding New Testament church, we're all in the temple today. All right? Even ones on Facebook. But right now, in other parts of our, on our, of our campus, there are ones that are meeting in small groups. In our church, it's pretty neat. We have, we, I talk about the men's thing on Monday and Friday morning. We have a men's group that meets on Wednesday night called 3M. 
There's also a women's meal that meets on Tuesday morning. I had somebody come by and ask me about that time after church, the first service that meets. We also have groups that meet. You'll see in just a minute. We're starting up some new ones on Sunday night, some others that have been going on. I'm going to show them to you in just a second, in just a minute. There's also people that meet off of campus. I tickle to death. There's a group of ladies, and I celebrate this. There's probably half of the ones meeting are in glory. <laughs> but there's a group of ladies that meet at local restaurants. I've seen them so many times. I still ain't understand. I think if you see the pastor come in, you ought to buy his lunch. But that's a whole other story. Just kidding. I probably need to buy theirs. But I see them meet. Off campus, people that meet. Accountability groups. Just, hey, how you doing? And so what I'm telling you here is the strength and stability of who we are is not based in this big room, this big number. It's based on intimacy and value that and concern we're going to have as the body of Christ for one another. And many times that's a very small number. Hmm, so many times it's missed. See, small stands together. <laughs> Solomon said it this way in Ecclesiastes chapter 4, verse 10. He said, for either, if either falls, his companion can lift him up. But pity the one, listen to this now, but pity the one who falls without another to lift him up. You know what church comes down to a lot of times? I know a few, but I have no idea what's going on in your life. I don't know if it's glory or glory. I don't know if you're blessed or stressed. I don't know. I don't know if you're on the mountain or you're on the deepest valley that you've ever been through. Somehow we do the game really well that we project ourselves. And I say, let me just say this. On Sunday morning, this kind of gathering, I think that's all right, I guess. But here's the danger. If we don't have a community in our life where we can be real with them, that's the danger. And what I want you to do in just analyzing all this is just, where are you? See, sometimes I think we can even do the same thing in a Sunday school class or that kind of thing. We can just come and go. We can, we can study. We can do that kind of thing. But have we let anybody in? That's the way there's an, I don't want to just leave it in the instruction part of this because really it's about vulnerability. It's about letting somebody in and come alongside of me and help me be what I need to be. Small stands together. I wrote it down that everybody... Everyone needs someone. <laughs> we know this, whether it's National Geographic or the Discovery Channel or whatever. A, an animal that's isolated is an, and is an animal that's in trouble when the predators come. I believe everything about me. Children of God, listen to me carefully. Children of God, isolated, struggle with the predator. Make yourself accountable. There's strength in numbers. It truly is. Someone said that Ecclesiastes 4. That's, a, that's an Old Testament. Let me give you a New Testament. You ready? Galatians chapter 6, verse 2. Carry one another's burdens. In this way, you fulfill the law of Christ. Huh. Someone you're walking through, I've seen it so many times and start the day. So many times something's going on with someone. A prayer request is shared, and then we pray together and agree together for that need. And, huh. We're fulfilling the law of Christ. How about that? Pretty strong, isn't it? You carry another's burdens. Truly is. As long as we all act like we got our act together and never see the real us. Do I need to show you James 5, 16 again? Until we get to the point that we would confess to someone else our shortcomings and what we need each other to pray about, we will never have community in our life the way God needs us to have. We might have a teacher that stands up there and tells us a Bible lesson. We might even have a church service where this preacher screams and hollers. 
but we might lack community until we see Jesus. Mm, I hope you get it. You got to get it. And this is your opportunity. Sunday nights, fixing to kick off next two weeks, amongst other things. There's Wednesday night. There's those kind of, well, Brother Jay, I'm too busy. I'll tell you something, folks. If we're too busy to have community in our life, guess what? You're too busy. And your prayer today, right in an altar like this, is for God to help you with your business. Mm. Oh, he's shucking it today, ain't he? 